as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So it's like relatively out of context. You know, it's talking about you know going into town and yeah, and and ignoring completely. So what's the heart of this? The, all those passages then? Oh, verses thirteen through seventeen. What's the uh, heart? Of it? What is the main point that James is kind of driving? Is that the, no matter where you go, live a righteous lifestyle, and like. But why? For the sake of righteousness and living towards the standard that God had set forth through Jesus, right? The the why is verse seventeen. Because righteousness is being right and then manifesting right actions. Right. So if you're saying it was being righteous, right? Well, the point of 17 is to say if you know the right thing that needs to be done and you're not doing it, to you is sin. Right. Right? So on the most basic level, all he is talking about is we know what's right, but we know what's wrong. When we do what's wrong, that is sin because we're aware of it. Yeah, and that's, that's the point I was trying to make. That yeah. Because it, it's very broad, you know, so it's like taking relatively Yes. Context. In the immediate context, it has to deal with uh, the boasting of this, right? Of right. give to the Lord, let the Lord determine what he's going to do. Don't boast anything but him. Because that's why, because that's the right thing to do. Is it the right thing to do to evangelize? Yes. Based yeah. on the commandments we saw God walk through, right? And just like everything else, right, that we're held accountable to. Right by the word of God, anything that we know that is righteous, because that's what right is, we don't do it. It's a sin. But I do agree that it is a sin. Like I feel like the Lord convicts. Hold back you. the stones, y'all. Hold back yeah. the stones. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord's gonna convict you in the moment, and just like it gives you a way out for temptation, He'll give you a way in um, in those situations. Amen. And it's a lot. Yeah, that's it's more about <coughs> tuning to the Holy Spirit and Amen. you know living out a righteous lifestyle. Yeah. Something my husband once said to me was, let's see if I can get this right. It was kind of like the opposite of the same. Um, a decision not made in faith is sin. And so, like sometimes, like just even going through a day and like um, mindlessly, mindlessly making decisions, or sometimes we're presented with two options, and one is the easy route, and one is you know the one that makes our heart flutter but for good reasons, but it's nerve-wracking, you know? To take the easier route just because it's out of faith, it's easy, that's the sinful thing. Yeah. So that stays in the forefront of my mind sometimes, the decision could not be in faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. Without what? Without yeah. faith? Yeah. There's actually, that's right. yeah. there's some verses. Anyone know the verses? Romans 14. Romans 14. What does it say in Romans 14? What was the question? Uh, in relation to James, another verse that could confirm, oh, okay. affirm uh, James 4.17. And I was just thinking about Romans 14. It's Romans 14.23. Okay, can you read that for us, please? 14.23. It says, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Yeah. And so we know the immediate context he's talking about food. Right? Not judging the weaker brother as the, as the stronger brother uh, in relation to food. But we know that there's implication. Right? So what's cool about the word of God is this was written to a group of people by a specific person for a specific time right, with a specific purpose. Right? That's equally true. But then we know that there is one interpretation to the word of God. But now that there's multiple implications, multiple applications to the word of God. Right? So for instance, here, yes, the immediate context is specifically referring to food and drink. Absolutely true, don't take it out of context. But we, then we also know that any, any personal conviction that we have, that the Word of God doesn't blatantly give us that's right or wrong, but that we have of our own as an opinion, that if we go against that, that we're sinning against our own conscience, and then that is a sin for us. So an example for me, would be getting tattoo, right? I got tattoos. I got them all before Christ. For me and me alone to get another tattoo 
to cover up these tattoos or to do whatever with tattoos, it's a sin. I am of that conviction, right? And so if I go and get a tattoo, well, I'm sinning against my conscience, right? If I, if I pick up a cigarette and I smoke, it's a sin for me, not for anyone else, but for me. And so therefore, I will hold to these things because for me, I have sealed it in my heart that those two things are sins that I will never do again in my life. The Bible doesn't explicitly talk about smoking a cigarette, right? But yet, for me, it's a sin. And so again, there's a media context that we honor, we respect, but then also the implication of it can then go beyond the immediate context as long as, again, it's in alignment with the rest of Scripture. There's another verse, I believe. Can you guys think of it that correlates to this verse? What was the scripture already shared? Uh, Romans 14, 23. Yeah. Can anyone think of another verse? I got one. What is it? Uh, Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah 31, 33? Yeah. Why don't you read uh, the last verse? So this, is, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Explain. So it's just like, um, like this is what I was talking about earlier when I was saying finding the way out for me seemed easy. Um, especially when it just comes to like self-control. It's like because I know the good that, that I should do and I know what I shouldn't be doing, and it's like, I just know it, you know, it's just, I feel like it, that's what I meant when I said, it's, it just feels like it's written on my heart, is, like, I know what's good, like, and the Holy Spirit tells me, this is right, this is wrong, and it's just there, you know, in my heart, and, yeah, so. Yeah. Would you guys all agree? Yeah. Oh, Lindy. Did you guys get that? What was that verse? Did you guys hear that? Luke 12? Luke 12, 47. Yeah. Second Peter 2, 20 through 22. Okay. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it. To turn from the holy commandment to live with them. What was that again? Second Peter. Second Peter 2, 20 through 21. Yeah, so what's going on there, Christian? Uh, to once know the right way to do for the, for the true way, the true life, the true, the true, no one has changed your life, and I say that, you know, for the dog, per se, to return to do it. Yeah. Yeah, wisdom and knowledge and understanding is a privilege for us, but it's also a responsibility. Right? It's a privilege to receive these things that are freely given to us, but then it's a responsibility for us to then live it out and share it. Joshua. Are we just kind of circling around Romans 7, the do-do passage? What? The do-do, if I do uh, what I do not do, but I do not do what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. All the do's, well, the do's. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, Stephen lightly kind of referenced to it, but he didn't go deep into it, so I didn't really speak on it. But I really believe that Scripture shows that that's pre-salvation. That that's not, right, pre Condemned people struggle with that because Romans 8 1 says, Therefore, those there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And they begin to talk about putting your mind in the spirit, not in the mind in the flesh. So, yeah, that's why I didn't really speak into it because he didn't really mention that verse or say anything. So, I just yeah. left it be. <laughs> so, thank you for wanting to make sure no one gets that. If you don't agree, I'll throw a stone at you. No. Read Romans. 
six all the way to nine, and you can get the uh, picture pretty clear that that is a pre-salvation when uh, Paul is talking about doing those things that he doesn't want to do. And Romans 8 really just narrows it all. Uh, page 113. Elena had a question. Mrs. Fallon. Christian was mentioning, it reminded me of Ezekiel. It says, um, oh my gosh, I lost it. It says, if a righteous person turns from his, can you guys hear me, by the way? Yeah, it says, a righteous person <laughs> turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a stumbling block before yeah. him, he shall die. But, and so, like, that just, just is, kind of is that 18? Um, no, it's uh, Ezekiel 3 20. Okay. Well, actually, yeah, 19 and 20. 19 and 20? Yeah, 21. 19 through 21? 19 through 21. <laughs> Getting it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Does that kind of close it with that? Yeah, I mean. I kind of went to the bathroom halfway through, so. You did what? <laughs> what? The disciples should get a hold it. Hold it, y'all. Body drill. That's good. Thank you. Faith. Are you are you referring back to James four seventeen? Yeah. Yeah. So everything that we've been talking about is kind of been circling around that that, that verse. So what, what is it? What's the What's up, uh, the fogginess? Well, because, like, you can, like, see other people sinning. Like, you can't, like, like, I don't know, like, is it really a failure to, like, see it? Or, like... They just didn't punctuate it, it well. It's not if you see... It's not a failure to see it. It's a failure not to oh, witness. Okay. Yeah, they just didn't write it that way. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's... Yeah, it's not a failure to not see the sin. He's saying, did anyone? <laughs> I just assumed you guys knew, but I should have spoken that for sure. No, totally. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about, is it a failure? Is it a sin when we blatantly don't witness? Given the fact that God removes our fear by giving us his perfect love, given the fact that Jesus so many times in the Bible com completely tells us to do this, it's a, it's a commandment. Right, and we know that if anything the Lord tells us to do, we don't do it, it's considered sin. It's rebelliousness, it's disobedience. Right? So, so do you get that? Do you see that, Peyton? Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. <clears throat> All right, page 113. Why should we reach out to the world? How does God demonstrate his love? What is John 3.16? What did you guys say? Gave up his son. Romans 5 8. Yeah. It's a big one. Luke 19 10. In Mark 10 45. Gave his son while we were yet sinners, while we were lost. Because he sought to save the lost. Right? The gospel. That's the heart of how God demonstrated his love. When we didn't earn it, when we didn't deserve it, when there's nothing we could have ever done to get it, he loved us while we are yet his enemies. And that is the heart of the gospel. Yes? One part that I would add to that yeah. is today he demonstrates his love through us. Yeah, you know it'd be cool if you uh, get a verse with that too. You know, just because there's verses here, you know, like get a verse and then tag that right into that. Right? There's definitely one in there. Yeah. Matter of fact, next time, tell slaughter. Next, there's the hand. Got that verse. I got that verse. Right. Put it in the book. There you go. All right. Is there any other way for people to be saved? Yes or no? No. no. Not through good works alone? No. No? Not through praying the rosary? The rosary? No. no? Not through saying one prayer all the rest of your life and then living a rampant lifestyle? No. Not through uh, the President Trump? No other way? 
No, okay, that's enough. Okay, that's enough. I thought I extended it. So, like, focus. That's why, that's why you're sitting right there. John 14, 6. What is he talking about there? The only way. He's the only way. The way, the truth, and the life. Get to the Father, but through him. Mark 16, 6. What does it say? Whoever does not believe is condemned. That's right. You believe, you're saved. If you don't, you're condemned. We know John 3, 16, all the way through 21. Clearly paints that picture as well. How about Acts 4, 12? No one else. And what will happen to those who do not receive Christ? John 3, 36. Yeah. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Judgment. Judgment. Matthew 25:46. So we see how God demonstrated his love. We recognize that it's only through Christ for saving faith. We recognize what's the consequence for those who reject the saving works of Jesus Christ. Wrath. Lake of fire. Judgment. What should we do to share? John 5, 39 through 40. Witnessing is presenting a person, not a plan. Why must our message center on Christ? Because he's the only way. Only way to the Father. That's right. Only way. There's no other way. This may, this may sound repetitive, right? But the reality is the one association really did this well. You know, Pastor Eric Stevens really had to hone it in. Because how often, and I've been guilty of this too, how often have we met somebody, hey, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. You're doing so good. He has a plan for your life. Yeah, say this prayer, you're saved, and go about your business. Where was there about you're a sinner? You will be you're in a condemned state. Christ was the only one who paid the price. And if you freely receive it, you have eternal life. And if you don't, you will remain as a condemned person. Right? How many of us have really done that? Have you shared, right, a, a half a gospel or a quarter of a gospel? I've never done that. Well, praise the Lord. May you never do it. I mean, like, I've never been up to someone who's like, you are a sinner. Oh, the reverse. Oh. Why not? What did John the Baptist say? Why? What, what else did he say? Did Jesus hold back punches either? Right? Where you're speaking at the heart of Natalie is the heart posture. Right? It's not like, hey, buddy, you're going to hell, you sinner. Condemned. That's not the heart. Right? <laughs> what is the heart posture? The heart posture is being broken yeah. over this yeah. priceless soul yeah. who has no relationship with the creator of his soul, who is eternally separated from the Lord now, and if they die in that state, they will be forever eternally separated, and that Christ paid the most highest price to set them free, and that he sent me to lovingly share these things with you. Lovingly. Lovingly. With gentleness. Yes. 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 That's the heart posture behind it. Yes. Can you sh uh, share those points again so we know the whole gospel? You know what you can yeah. share? Yeah, actually, I think I'll get into it more. Yeah. Is it here? Yeah. Well, you know what I'll do? For the sake of time, uh, Aria, I'm going to point you to go. If you just write, don't go there. Just write. Right. Right. Write down Acts. Chapter 2, 22 through 34. Write down Acts 3, 11 through 21, and Acts 4, verses 5 through 12. In all of those things, those are the first time the apostles are preaching the gospel after Christ ascended on high and after they received power. And they all had the consistency. I got an outline here. But there's a consistency of saying, 
who Jesus was as a man come from God, delivered by God as a plan, that he was crucified, that he was raised, that he was exalted, that people are sinners, that they need repentance, that only faith in Christ, that salvation is in Christ alone. So you'll see a consistent pattern in all three of those separate passages. Read them carefully, and you'll be able to underline certain things. You'll be able to find almost all those are identical. And it's really cool because the way when they're preaching this, they all had that same mindset of what the gospel was. They knew exactly what it was, and they all preached the same way. And their own uniqueness, but it's pretty cool. So the outline is, right, it's pretty simple. You're, you're, you're a sinner that's condemned. Christ is the only way. He paid the price, no one else. When you put your faith in him, you receive salvation, right? And you will live out a life of godliness. And I think that's the crucial most part, is living out a godly life, right? Being filled by the Spirit, producing fruits of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit. I mean, those are very, very vital things that are often left out um, in evangelism. What does Paul say about what does Paul say about this in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 2? What did you guys write down? And why is that, Summer? Because you can you can't convince someone into the kingdom. Yeah. Only through Jesus Christ. Mm. Yeah. You can't convince someone into the kingdom and it's only through Jesus. Good. That's right. Because we don't want someone's faith or salvation <laughs> resting on the wisdom of man. Yes. But on the wisdom of the heavens. That's right, because our wisdom will lead to foolishness. Our wisdom will lead to death. condemnation and death. Yeah. The wisdom from above will lead to salvation. It will be, it's Christ himself. And so this is why Paul's like, if I'm going to preach, I'm going to preach this. Christ, Christ alone. What is the goal of ministry in Acts 26, 18? What are some of the points that you guys noticed in those verses? What else? Okay, what else? Okay, and what else? What's another point? Huh? Sanctification through faith. Yeah, yeah I got from the power of Satan to God to open the eyes of the blind, uh, to go from darkness to light. And I love this one, having a place amongst the sanctified. That one there, I missed it the first time I went through this a couple weeks ago. But tonight when I went through it, I wrote that one down. I'm like, oh, I missed that one. I didn't put that one down. I think that's so precious that we have a place, spiritual place, Amongst the righteous as the sanctified. Right? Like that's the being, right? That's part of being baptized into the body. That's being into the family, of being adopted. That's that whole process of what he's talking about there. I love that having a place amongst the sanctified. Turn to page 114. John shared his testimony, what he personally experienced in 1 John 1, 1 through 3. That's the correct reference there. Why is this so important? What did you guys write down and why? Generates credibility and relatability. Okay. What generates that? Um, why do they do it? Why do they generate that? Yeah. No, no, no. Well, why do they feel compelled to do that is, is a better question. Um, because nobody wants to listen to you if it's hearsay. They want to know how it's impacted you <coughs> and not somebody else's. What you've seen, what you've heard. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that he, he suffered a very brutal death. Uh, he was an eyewitness. It wasn't something he believed. Nobody will ever die for what they know to be a lie. That's right. Yeah. I'm willing to die for the name of Jesus, but I'm not willing to die that a glazed donut is better than a sprinkled donut. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word. You know? Oh, you, yeah, don't even, don't even think of that. You're sinning just by thinking about it. <laughs> Hold them accountable, Valentine. <laughs> it's not pride, don't worry. It's not pride. It's okay, it's not pride. Yeah, yeah, Lord Totally. Story in scripture where totally. a man says, like, look, I don't know the answer to these questions that you 
tell me why. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the only thing I, I would agree with that. The only thing I would add to that is experience confirmed by the Word of God, right? It is not blatantly gonna say, Laura May, da da da, experience, <laughs> boom, right? But an experience that we can see where the Word of God can testify that that is an that is an encounter from God Himself to man. I would say one hundred percent, because there are there are some who can run off only experiences. Right? You have the New Age movement. You have a lot of these things where, well, I experienced this, so it must be real. I, I felt that, so that was a real experience. You can't take that experience away from me, can you? Well, I guess I can't. Well, then it's real. It's just as real as what you're talking about. And so the danger, obviously, with experience, we, honor, we want to honor experiences and love experiences. The Lord has given many of us supernatural experiences, but I'm pretty sure what we stand on, it will be Scripture, right, foundational. And that's the difference between my experience, your experience, and some other person's experience that has no grounding uh, in the works of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's good. Amen. Yes, Brian. Um, that also reminds me of Revelation 12, 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even to death. Like there's power. It's, it's how we defeat the enemy. Yeah. It's how we show Christ has changed. And I actually believe that the context of that, when you go read it further up, it's actually the testimony of Jesus. Their testimony is the testimony of Jesus. Amen. Our testimony is the testimony of Jesus, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not, it's my own story. It's his story in my life being yep. communicated through me, Amen. right? And I think yeah. that's where the power, because my life alone does not carry any power yeah. to witness, right? It's the power of God in me. It's the blood, so, of, the it's the blood of the lamb. That's right. Awesome. Amen. Yep. Notice how Paul does the same thing in Acts 26, 1 through 19. He includes these three parts. Before I received Christ, I lived and thought this way. How I received Christ, after I received Christ, these positive things happened. Right, again, this is, we have an experience. Every one of us has a story, a testimony, what he's talking about here. And he's saying, our testimony should reflect three core things. I once was this, but when Christ came, he did this. And as a result of what he did, I am now this. Right? And if a believer cannot genuinely identify through all those three things, I would strongly, strongly argue that they probably have not had a real encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ to some degree. And it doesn't matter if you have such a broken, broken testimony or if you were born into the faith at some degree, whether you're 9 years old, 8 years old, or 80 years old, your life will reflect a difference because Christ cannot leave you there. Yes, Christ's love will meet you where you're at, but Christ's love is so compelling that it will not leave you where you're at. If it does, yeah. it's not Jesus' love. Because His love is radically transformational. Yeah. Right? And every one of us can bear witness uh, to that to some capacity or to another. And that is the hope. When I think about this, what comes to my mind are two people from the Word. When it comes to testimonies. Because when I've been able to uh, share my testimony a lot... I've had a lot of feedback and be like, man, that's all good for you, but I was raised in the church. Uh -huh. I didn't do 80% of what you ever did. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of looked the same as I did back then, right? And so then what I tell people is like, well, what did Jesus save you from if he's your savior? He had to yeah, save you from up. something. What yeah. is it? Yeah. It may not be Come the on. things of my past, but it's something of your past. Right? And so when I think of that, I usually say there are two main testimonies that I look at in the Word of God. You have Jesus, light to light, mm -hmm. never sinned, right? We all witness to that, sinless lamb. Yes. Mm -hmm. How many lives has Jesus touched by his testimony? Oh, man. <laughs> Countless. <laughs> That's a good one. No excuse, right? That. There's no excuse. Jesus, the spotless, innocent lamb but was able to relate to every human being, to the adulteress that was supposed to be stoned, to the, right, to the other adulterous woman, the Samaritan woman, right? And it goes on to the people. He was able to witness them. He's still witnessing to them, right? Saul the Paul, 
a persecutor of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, right, by persecuting his body, radically went from darkness to light. How many would you say Paul, his testimony is still impacting people's lives today? Yes. Right? He wrote, right, a majority of the New Testament, right, and it's still ministering to people. And so everyone in this room has no excuse. You've all been, we've all been saved from something. Yeah, right. We are someone better today because of Christ than we were without Christ. Whether it doesn't matter what, whether we're Jamarian's age or we're the age of the uh, most wisest person in this room, it does not matter. We all have a testimony. And that testimony is going to point to Christ. Now, yes, the certain things of our lives can relate to other people, yes. But that's not, that's not a hindrance. Well, I can't minister to a prostitute because I've never been a prostitute. I can't minister to a pimp because I never was a pimp. No, but you can minister to the brokenness of your life where Christ met you and brought you salvation. And the same righteousness he's requiring you, he's requiring from that person as well. And that's the same. I got to teach and I preach right now. It's the teaching content. It's all you're getting from me now. Right? So what does this look like? I was, Anthony, the scum of the earth, a reject of society. I was a gangbanger, a drug dealer. I was a convict. I was addicted to the most craziest sins that you could think of. I've done things against my family that are unspeakable. That's who Anthony was from the time he was born to the time of 25. But when Christ entered my life, when I was sitting in prison with 10 years already in, at the age of 25, through his audible voice, spoke to me and told me, you are my son, you are being radically changed, and from this day forward, you are no longer this person, but you are my child. Amen. 11 years later, get out of prison, meet my wife, get baptized, graduate from a Bible college, start a ministry of the homeless for four years, right? Humbly serve here at the Arising Church and a list of other things that I could show that Anthony went from being this guy yeah. who was condemned physically and spiritually to a man that stands righteous in the eyes of the king, not by anything I've ever done, but because Christ gave me an encounter with his radical love and truth that forever set me on a course that has ever looked different. And for most people, they would never even know any of that from me. And that's the point, is that when Christ transforms you, you won't even be recognizable even to your own former people. Like, who are you? We don't even know you anymore. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what every one of us needs, is that right there. And this is why my heart is so much for evangelism, because when I gave my life to the Lord in prison, I still had 16 months left to do in prison before I got out. And I had a rival of my same gang member that was persecuting me all the time. And he finally came up to me one day, he said, Anthony, the day I see you on the yard, Preaching what you believe to other gangbangers is the day I'll leave you alone. Wow. And he said, can you do that right now? And in that, in that moment when I was frustrated and I was mad and I wanted to fight him with everything I had because that was my old nature, but the Lord was saying self-control, I humbly said, I cannot do that. I don't have the boldness to go tell other gang members about what Jesus did in my life. And then he walked away and he said, I knew it. What that showed me in that moment was that to him, a heathen, a pagan, was that true, genuine Christianity was connotated with witnessing. Wow. I walked away from that moment. I went to my cell and I cried. I asked the Lord to forgive me. And from that moment on, I began to witness in the prison to the point where other of my same gang were coming to me saying they wanted the same way out as I did. I had other gang members looking at me differently and I grew a boldness that could have not been contained and the Lord protected me and kept me safe the rest of the time I was in prison. Amen. I learned from the experience though, saints. The world is looking at us and, oh, you're a genuine Christian. You really believe I'm condemned? You really believe that Jesus is the only way? Yeah. I don't see you preaching it to nobody. I'm not seeing you teach that to anybody. You must not really believe that. Because if you did, you would be, you would be yeah. teaching it. Amen. Right? So let's learn from that. Saints. Let's press into that. Let's be bold witnesses of Jesus because it's a genuine expression of our being. Genuine believers. Ellie.
Yeah. Um, I even thought in some way, and I've, I've had a conversation with many people about this too, like in some way I have been a prostitute to the Lord. You know, some yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't sure. matter what their sin is. In some way I've probably committed the sin in maybe not in the same fashion physically, but spiritually I might have. But um, I, I had a scripture, it was 1 Corinthians 9. Okay. It says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share this, share with them in this blessing. Amen. Yeah, that's us freely giving up our freedoms and our liberties that we rightfully can do for the sake of someone's soul. Right? Like, it's worth it. As long as it doesn't lead us to sin, it's worth us to give up these things to minister to someone at the gym. Right? To witness to someone at our school or work, whatever, it's worth it. Tracy, were you going to say something? Um, yeah, I, I've i taken the, the scripture in uh, Revelations about overcoming. Yeah. And, and um, in my life and in things that I see is there's times where I'm, the enemy seems to, I feel like I'm winning or he's winning and, and I'm under the enemy because of Okay, for my life is that my daughter passed away and I could be under it, but I overcome the enemy by standing up and witnessing and giving testimony to what God does. And, and so when we take what's hard in our lives and we, the enemy then is on top of us and we can't get above it, but we overcome and, and we, by our testimony, by the word, and by by stepping above it and standing on it as opposed to it being on top of us. Yeah, so what what I think uh, of what you're saying is what Pastor Massey preached uh, this Sunday. And what Pastor Slaughter beautifully did, even though he spilled the water. <laughs> what did he do? What did he do? We're taking back. I'm taking back. I'm taking back, right? I'm taking back. So how do we overcome? Let's take back the hurt, the pain, the loss, the rejection, everything that the enemy could take to condemn us for whatever reason. Say, no, I'm taking that back and I'm going to use it as my testimony so that I can minister to other parents who had a similar experience as myself. Look how Jesus redeemed what the enemies sought to do for evil. Right? And that is the point of that. Exactly. It's when we don't let those things give us a victim mentality or we don't submit to that as a condemning thing that paralyzes us, right? Like the trauma that Pastor Slaughter spoke about before, not letting the traumatic things paralyze us, but finding freedom and then using that to rebuild, right? Those very things that the enemy tried to use to destroy us. Rebuild with that. Rebuild with your, your daughter's loss. Rebuild it because it will be a powerful testimony to many people who need to hear that, Tracy. Amen. And then what do we what do we stand on? What do we get up on? And we stand on top of the enemy, not him on us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. And that's an encouragement for everyone here is to identify what what are we taking back that we could use as our testimony, instead of letting it be something that we dread and fear and hate of condemnation and all that, but instead uplifting it and finding redemption and using it to glorify Jesus. Because when we don't, we're glorifying the enemy through it. Right, because Jesus isn't getting no glory in it, because He's not reconciled; He hasn't redeemed it in our life. Oh. When should the believer share his faith with others? Where was Jesus when He talked to the Samaritan woman in John four five through seven? Wow. He was by the Why was He by the well? Was He supposed to be by the well? No. No. Well, in the region where the well was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian's like. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, so he was supposed to be talking to a, a woman either. Yeah, not supposed to be talking to a woman. Or yeah, Jews speaking to a Samaritan and then being in that region. Yeah. Right. So what is what is the point of that? What is the point of that of that verses right there? 
and do things that are not sinful, but are looked down upon, right, for the sake of salvation. I heard a pastor once say, uh, do anything as short as sin to win someone over. And so what he had in ministry was that he would go into bars. And he would minister to, uh, uh, to people getting drunk and stuff like that. He wouldn't drink. He was delivered from drinking. So what he said, you know, if there's a brother who struggles with that, you're not going because that's a sin for you. But for those of us, we're going to go as far up to the point of sin, but not sinning to be able to reach someone for the gospel. Kind of like going to the gates of hell themselves, reaching in and pulling people out and not having fear or letting that be a stumbling block to us. Now, granted, there's a lot of context to that. And there should be a lot of wisdom with that. It shouldn't be done blatantly or carelessly, but it should be done highly, highly with a lot of wisdom. Don't go near uh, KFC, bro. Just said that. <laughs> no Popeyes, no KFC. Don't even go to the parking lot. Oh, Chick Fil A. Yeah. Oh, that's bro. We, we baptized our chickens. So. Redeem, praise the Lord. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> yeah, righteousness. <laughs> yes. Alright, what does Luke 10, 1 through 9 say about ministry to others? What'd you guys write down? What are some of the points you guys saw on that? In Luke 10, 1 through 9. When the town receives this minister there. Okay. Anything else? When the Lord sends you, yeah, I like that too. That's part of the sending, and that's just being sent. Yeah. Right. How long did Andrew wait until he talked to Peter in John 1 41? Immediately. Immediately he had to go. He had to share it. What were the Christians doing in Acts 5 42? About Jesus, yeah, not just teaching and preaching. But teaching and preaching about Jesus, right? Specifically, Amen. That that's the people. Remember, we talked about that. We honed that in a lot earlier. That was the point, so that we could get that in. Uh, what does Second Corinthians six two talk about? Today's day of salvation. Is that is that almost like your verse, Michael Brown? That you that you need to find? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Today now is the day of salvation. Amen. Today, not tomorrow, but now. And this is why, again, this goes back to the point of planting the seeds and only the Lord knowing when that day will be for that person. But we never know, so we should do it as if it's going to be that very day for that person. Because now is the day for salvation. The challenges. Well, did you guys do the challenge? Follow Philip's example in Acts 8, 26 through 40. Right? Did you guys write anything for point one? He was obedient to God? I feel like it's a go do this. Rather, you know, with the application involved. Ask the Lord where to go. There you go. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. It says in verse 30, he was sensitive to others' needs. 35, he knows the message. And 37, he was looking for a decision. That's very key right there, is when we're, when we're being obedient, be sensitive to the people, right? Kind of like what uh, Brother Allen shared about being, um, right, meeting people where they're at and becoming all things, right? Kind of being able to, okay, I'm going to humble myself, put the interest of others above my own, and I want to minister to that. He knows the message. What is the message, everyone? Just start saying it out. What is the message? Everyone can start saying that. What is the message? Oh, man. Some of you only know it. Does not everyone know this? What is the message? Come on, say it again. What is the message? That's the message. Correct. For those who did it. Yes, the message. It's really important. Verse 4, we look for a decision. I think that's really crucial. So now, I, I love what, what is, uh, Pastor Eric Stevens says he likes to leave people indifferent, right? No, or, or no. Is it? sad, mad, or glad, but never indifferent. That's right, sad, mad, or glad, but never indifferent, right. That's a decision, you're either going to be sad, mad, or glad, right? Leave them in that state. I'm going to share the gospel with you, 
in a loving way, a gentleness, by going to press you to make a decision. What are you going to do with the truth you just now heard and are accountable for? Are you going to submit to it and open your life to it? Or are you going to reject it? But I think that's really key is empowering people with the decision to choose in that moment what they are going to do. Yeah. I think it's also important that um, as we witness, we are fully convinced of yes. what we're witnessing too because mm. I feel that the other side can feel when we're shaky or not solid on something. So it is good for us to be fully convinced yeah. with a genuine belief yeah. of what we're seeing. Yeah. This is why point three says... Message. Know your message. Yeah. To know something is to bear witness to it. No. Yeah, it's to know. It's like to know and be known, right? Yes. That 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 what we're preaching, we just don't know it, but that very message knows us because it impacted us. Yes. And this is why, again, going back to Matthew 28, where right, he said, "Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them." And that's why I asked, "Has everyone been baptized?" Because if we haven't been impacted, how are we going to go baptizing people? when we haven't even been impacted ourselves. How are we gonna make disciples when we, we've never been made a disciple? How are we gonna teach something to somebody that we don't even know what we've been taught either? And this is why we're in this class, right? Discipleship helps so that we can go and apply and live out everything um, that we have been instructed to do. Yeah, I got a verse for that, knowing the message. Uh, yeah. 1 Peter three fifteen. Okay. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Amen. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. You guys see the homework that we have for this week, right? Application. Application. Thank you. Yeah. So, marking your Bibles with some key verses for salvation. Did you guys do that? Or is that to come? Romans 10 minutes. Yeah. That's that. That was supposed to be for today, right? Yeah. Marking yeah. your Bible for something. Okay. Yeah. So you guys mark some. Yeah. What's really cool is there's so many verses that you, that you could find. Um, it's really really cool. I got a, I got a whole list of verses that I love that I could just jump to, that just affirms. Because some people will only want to use New Testament scripture, but there's so many yeah. Tanakh scriptures that speak to salvation, and I think it's so sweet because that's how we could really minister, obviously, to the Jews is even through the Tanakh and really showing them, hey, look, it's not just confirmed in the new. Would you be willing to print that out for us? Yeah, I could, uh, I could get in the email and send it out. For, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think, I think it's really sweet just to be able to see. It's just being laid out, seen from the first gospel in Genesis 3, then going all the way through to Revelation, just seeing every point hitting home. So, yeah. 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 So... Do all of you guys know your testimony? Yeah, do you know your testimony? Does everyone here know their own testimony? Yeah? Does that, has everyone ever written it down? Has, does everyone have it written down? Yeah. I would, I would encourage everyone, write it out. It's one thing to know it here and to have experienced it here. It's another thing to write it out and then be able to look at it. The whole thing? Yeah. So this is what we did. This is, you got a week, Natalie. You're good. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ladies, <laughs> ladies in the house. Got it. Kind of, there you go. Boom. Grace, <laughs> 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 right? Because <laughs> it was like, boom, we got it. With Sydney, this is what we did with uh, with Sydney. It was pretty cool. You know, me and my wife Jess, uh, when she came and moved us, one of the first things that we did is help her understand her testimony, honing key points of what a testimony is. We asked her to create an ex a lengthy, every detail imaginable. <laughs> It was what, five, six, seven months? So it was just along in her journal, right? Then we asked her to create out of that like a five minute snippet. And then out of that, we asked her to create like a 60 second testimony. And the reason why this is, is because in every context, it will, it will determine which one you do. If you're on a one on one and you've seen the Lord is stirring something up and there's a lot of stuff about your testimony in their life, Use the extended version. You're going to know what details to use that that's going to really impact these people's lives. If you're in a bigger setting like this, where there's different age groups, different relatability, experience levels, use more that 60 second or that one, two minute one because there's certain things that you will be able to say, not say. Enough information to give somebody that want them to follow. Like, man, I didn't know they had it. Come on, let's talk about that later on. And so I would encourage you, write out a lengthy one. Find out the key points of who I was before Christ. 
what did Christ do exactly and who I am today because of what Christ did. Those are basically the three-way outline to do it. I would encourage you to write them out. Write three of those ones, the long one, the mid one, and then the very short one so that you can have it on standby because if you haven't written it down, every time you share it, you may fumble and you may miss certain points. And so I learned this because I've been able to do this many, many times and I learned right away that if I didn't consistently keep the same points at least, that I would miss certain things every time I shared it. And then people would come and like, oh, I didn't know. And then I would always have to clean up certain things. So I just wrote it out, honed it in, and shared it consecutively. And it was always concurrent. And it, it worked out really, really well for me. So then the homework then for that is, after you guys write it out, I want you guys to share it with two people. Two complete strangers. Two Which complete one? Extensive version? <laughs> I would say share the short one, right? Enough to intrigue interest that's gonna want them to ask questions, right? So I was this, but don't go into details. I was this, and don't go into details. So they go, like, oh wait, when you said that, what did you mean by that? Or really? Like tell me more about that. Great, now let me open that part up and release share into that. So that's, that's why you share a shorter one, right, to relate, to catch your attention, and then go deep. So that's two strangers, people you have no idea of who they are, share your testimony, but included within that testimony, obviously, is going to be the gospel. Right? So pair up both of them. The testimony, this is what's cool about testimonies. Testimonies are always a gateway to the gospel. Yeah. So most people is like, well, I'm still a little timid. I'm a little shy. I can't share my testimony. Or I can't share the gospel. I can't bluntly tell someone they're a sinner. Okay. There's a testimony. Look, let me tell you about my life. Let me tell you about who I was and what I Yeah, I was messed up. Man, that's crazy, right? I know, right? What was I thinking? Man, but then this happened and this happened. Right? What do you think about that? Can you find yourself in my story? Yeah, I can. What do you mean by that? So are you broken and you lost right now? Yeah, I am. So would you say you're condemned like I was? Yeah, I was. Boom. They're self-incriminating themselves just by admitting those things. That's, do you feel like you want hope and peace and joy unending? Yeah, I do. That's the gospel. You know who Jesus is? No, but I want to. Awesome. Let's do this. You know, you just don't know. I mean, and that's obviously, that's an ideal situation. Right? That's ideal. Right? Right. Okay. Fine. I laid out like that is for you. All from leading to salvation. There you go. All right. One, two, and three. Alex. That's why a, a part of that is, called, is prophetic. John 4 speaks a lot about the prophetic evangelism. How Jesus prophetically spoke into this woman's life. She revealed like, oh, you must be the one who they were said to come. Are you him? He said, I am he. Right? And then he goes into, well, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I think this is why it's so crucial that we're led by the Spirit of God. Right? That we prophetically are praying into God, give me a word for this person. Show me something. Highlight something to me. So that when I speak, it's going to hit right to the core then. And then they're going to be able to just spill their guts and want freely what the Lord has for them. Are you going to say something? Um, what is your stance and or opinion on the frequent proclamation of a sinner's prayer that we often see? The frequent prayer? Explain it. So tell me so, more because some people might not understand what you're talking about. Okay, so sinner's prayer being you get a person to a point of confession and then the way that I believe Okay, you just follow me, repeat after me, confess Jesus is Lord, you're good to go. And that's usually where they're left. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people look at Romans. Uh, that's why I asked this question earlier at Romans uh, 10, and no one said anything. But this is why I said that. Because a lot of people look at that passage, those passages alone and base salvation and how we lead people to salvation and what salvation looks like only based on those scriptures and nothing else, which I would say is wrong. That's not the totality of what the scripture bears witness to, right? Yes, I believe um, there's a way, right? People confessing his name, obviously, it's only salvation. We could explain what salvation looks like to somebody. We could stir them to make a decision, 
right? And they could, but even if they make a decision, there should be a response from that point forward of a genuine conversion. If there's not, then I would say that is just the mere words that they spoke and they really didn't even mean it. But I would say oftentimes, we, can, we, we know when someone's faking it. It's not hard. You can tell when someone's broken, right? Godly repentance leads to what? Godly sorrow. Or godly sorrow leads to godly repentance, right? Yeah. Y'all yeah. know, y'all know. Godly sorrow leads to godly repentance. We know what's, uh, when the Lord is giving someone an encounter with them. They're broken. There's something going on in their hearts that's different. And they're going to express this with some genuineness. And so I'd say the Lord will give us wisdom and he would show. But yeah, it's not just saying a simple prayer and then going about it. Right? Unless there's a follow-up with that person's life. And this is why it's so key that evangelism and discipleship are hand-in-hand. Hand. A lot of people will separate the two and make them two separate things. It's one hand-in-hand. Hand. Evangelism full circle is discipleship. Yeah. If it's not, then it's not evangelism. Right? Then all it is, I'm going to go and preach to you and that's it and leave. If it's not, hey, I'm not from here, but let's connect with some churches. Let me connect with some people. We need to get hooked up. This is where we're at. Like, If there's not a way of, hey, you need to be a part of a body. You need to submit to the Lord and to some leadership. If it's just, I'm just going to keep living my life doing it, that's not genuine evangelism. Yeah. And then that doesn't lead to genuine salvation because genuine salvation is discipleship. Yes. That's the endurance. That's the perseverance is discipleship. Yes. Yes. Without it, there's no genuine salvation. A person will fall away. Yes, Tracy. There is genuine salvation in talking to somebody, though, and, and letting the Spirit move on them. Um, it's not... We are to make disciples, and we are, but I have had situations... When you see true repentance, when there is repentance, life Amen. And and so and and then you can leave them to let God there's there's a lot of different ways. It it just I think it's really hard if I if I know that I'm gonna have to take them to the full to full fullness to not share. Right no 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 yeah yeah no So I, I trust that there's other brothers and sisters, there's other people that'll come along and, and disciple and bring them into discipleship. It's not our responsibility because it, it's overwhelming. Yeah, so let, 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 me, let me say this. I'm not saying that if you can't do the full circle, don't do it at all. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when we meet with somebody, right, whether we know we're going to see him again or not, we probably are, are going to know that to a degree. Let me get your contact information. Let me get your email. Let me get your phone number, right? Where do you live? Right, there's a place of let's keep this contact. I gotta go though, or you gotta go, but I wanna follow up with you. Well, hey, I'm actually, I know a little about it over here. There's a church, I don't really know much about it, but go and go and inquire. Pray to the Lord and He'll lead you, right? Like, there should be some degree of, hey, don't just do this and I see it and I'll never see you again, type of thing. Or in the sense of, I'm not gonna empower you. Hey, here's my Bible. Here you go, just take it. I don't need it anymore. It's yours now. You don't have one? Here's my Bible, right? There's a thing too. Is, if you have a car, is there a church you go to? I'll pick you up, right? One thing I, I got hard convicted on, I would never invite someone to church if I wasn't able to pick them up. What's the point to invite you if you said you didn't have a ride and you couldn't go? I would eliminate the excuse by saying, I'll pick you up. What time do you want to pick you up? I'm inviting you to my church, I'm gonna pick you up. You wanna have a Bible? If I couldn't give them my Bible, I wouldn't even dare ask them if they had a Bible. Because I would have to do that to show them, right? This is what you do, here's my phone number, here's this pastor's number. Reach out, do something though. But I believe a follow-up should at least best as you can. Right, then of course, pray, Lord, there's only so much I could do in this moment. Oversee the rest, Lord. Let this be genuine, God. Yeah. Right? So that would be my full circle for that. But if we have the opportunity, disciple them. Yeah. Invite them to the church. Invite them here. Do things in their lives. Be consistent in their lives. Don't just share it and walk away. Yeah, yeah. well, something that, was, that came to my mind was the woman at the well when Jesus revealed himself to her. Um, and it, it, it was a short thing and it was simple, but he said, you know, Go and sin no more. Um, and so how Matthew talks about how we're to, we're to teach. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to baptize, um, but also to teach them to obey everything the Lord has commanded us. So even in that way, even if we don't get to, you know, meet with them, you know, weekly, you know, and, and be their accountability partner or anything, um, teaching them that there is, there should be, a, you know, a lifestyle of repentance from now on. You know, even in that moment, even if you, you know, do what Zach was talking about, and you pray with them, and they and they come to salvation in that moment. Um, teaching them that now your life is the Lord's, teaching them lordship, right? You you can do that even in a even in a moment. Yeah. What are you gonna say something? Uh, yeah. So like, I think it, it's like just like a fruit, or uh, I guess yeah, I guess you say fruit of like that being 
used to go in and out of like Harvest and Willow and stuff, and like I would go in and leave, and no one would talk to me. And that was the idea of like them kind of saying hi to me and like blah blah blah. And I'm like cool, and then I'd leave and never see them again. But when I came here, it was like the consistent like, hey, are you coming to church, girl? Like hi, blah blah blah. Like they text me and like they people here like made a um, like they were consistent with me in that accountability and showed me how to pray, prayed with me. And if I hadn't had that, I literally probably would not. Still no discipleship. Here. I wouldn't. Yeah, the, but what I got here was discipleship, and in that, now that I can, now I know how to do it, and then now I know how to like go out and do it again. You know, but like if I would have stayed like in a place that wasn't showing me how to do that, I probably wouldn't even be here. Yeah. So it's like I think it is like so crucial that it isn't just that. Hey, okay, bye. I'm never gonna see you again. But it's like that. Hey, give me your number, and then setting reminders on your phone because we're gonna forget things. You know, like oh, I forgot to meet that girl that one time like ten years ago. Put a reminder in your phone, like say something, like Amen. text her, whatever, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, it could be like their salvation too. Yeah, that's why it's key for us when we meet new people to really draw them in as much as we can, how we can, mm-hmm. because it's key. Any other questions or thoughts? No, I just, I think that Thanks. it's, you know, the prompting of the Spirit, right? Like even if you look at the passage that we read about Philip and the eunuch, right? The Spirit of the Lord took him away immediately after he was baptized, right? And so it's, I think it's just following what the Spirit wants you to do. can be just, you know, praying with them, and then, you know, if the Spirit of the Lord prompts you, then that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But I, yeah. I think to go along with what you're saying, I think, I mean, I do think that, I'm not disagreeing in yeah. it at all, but I'm just saying, you know, like, the, the Spirit took them away, right, right away. Yeah, plant as many seeds as you can at yeah. the time frame that you got, yeah. right? Plant those seeds and pray that the Lord does rest, and if He gives you an opportunity to plant more, keep planting as much as He leads you to. And if he doesn't lead you to plant anymore, pray that the Lord will raise up another laborer because the harvest is plentiful. Mm-hmm. It won't ever be um, in vain to speak of, to speak, like, That's of right. the gospel. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. It took 10 years in prison where I heard the gospel over and over and yeah. over and over before it finally was actualized. Yeah. So it's never in vain. Well, it looks like it. Yeah. Anyone else? This really isn't on the topic of evangelism. As much as it is like uh, past chapter on the church, but it's really important for each of you to know your function within the church. Ooh, yeah, that's good. Like, why are you here? What has God designed you to do within this body? Because someone's repentance, their choice to repent, is not based on you, and their lifestyle to pursue God isn't based on you. But you will have a direct impact on whether they do it or not. Amen. If you are repenting and you are seeking the Lord and you are finding Him. In those quiet places or amongst our fellowship here, others will see that and they'll say, I want it. Yeah. And they'll continue to come. Yeah. And it will produce faith in them and endurance in them. Yeah. And so, like, going back to well, what happens when I don't see them ever again? Like, it's Jesus, you know, telling the disciples to get back in the boat. Like, they experienced uh, an amazing miracle, right? Where the fish and the, and the bread were given at a, a mass amount. But immediately, it's get back in the boat, right? And keep going. And it's like, well, so you got to get back in the boat. What happens to all these people? And so we have to trust the Lord yeah. with the rest. Yeah. right? And that's why it's important for each one of us to know why we're here. What he put us on this earth to do. And when you find that, the, the striving to make it happen ceases. And you, and you just follow through on it naturally because it's through your relationship with the Lord. Yeah. This is why Sunday morning was so powerful. Yeah. Right? When we could have our pastors broken yeah. and... Taking yeah. the responsibility of the weight of all the body sin and repenting of it and then leading everyone. I mentioned this in home group that we had. was to start off with uh, Jody mm-hmm. saying, hey, in the very beginning of worship, if, if you need to consecrate your heart, take the time to do it. If you have done it already, just worship the Lord. And then past Mass is doing, what, three or four altar calls before the, almost the entire church was on their knees <laughs> repenting, right? <laughs> that's the point. Is if my leadership can do it, Lord, there's something in me that's, that's not right. Highlight it because... They got it, then I got it wrong as well. And it's just cool to point, but what are they doing right? They're repenting. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard part. Someone coming here, seeing that, like, whoa, that's amazing. They do that? Yeah. Instead of hiding sin and concealing sin, we're bringing it to the light and we're humbling ourselves before mm-hmm. the Almighty God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, let's pray out, right? Ah, oh, Father. Father God, we just thank you, Lord for your amazing grace in our lives. Father, none of us in this room could have ever earned it, nor do we deserve it, God. 
Lord, you didn't have to send your son Jesus to die for us, God. Lord, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you did, God. Father, I'm grateful that every one of us has experienced and tasted the goodness of your son Jesus, Father. Lord, let us run with it all the days of our lives, God. Lord, let us radically, unashamed, just be bold witnesses for your kingdom, Father. Lord, remove all the fears, all the worries, all the anxieties or stresses, all the obstacles, God, that are in the way, Father. Lord, so that we can be obedient. But, Father, we're so grateful for your grace and mercy uh, when we still get it wrong, God. But, Lord, help us to minimize that as often as possible. Father, I pray right now yes, in Jesus' name, God, that you open up many opportunities yes, for every one of us to share our testimonies this yes, week, Lord. God. Lord, let's go above and beyond just two strangers, God. Let's yes, see how God. many we can do it, God. And Father, we pray that those strangers, God, that you will give them an encounter with heaven. God, that you will minister to their souls, Father. Lord, I pray that prophetically you will lead every one of us by your spirit, God. That we will go to the right people, speak the right word at the right time. That's going to be the right timing for them, God. And so, Father, I pray that you go before us, Lord, and that you have already won this, God. And so, Father, I'm thankful, God, that you're overcoming any obstacles. And, Lord, we're thankful for the sword that you've given us. We're all accountable to it, God. We love you and we praise you, Jesus. And it's in your mighty name, God, we thank you. Amen.